Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of his word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, experts in engaging children with the word of God. Together, we will make sure that you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Hi, everyone. You're listening to episode 124 of the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a ministry of Bible to School. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and today we're repeating one of our most loved episodes from 2023 with our partner and friend, True Girl founder, Dana Gresh. In this conversation, we ask the question, is it possible to raise children to love Jesus, imitate him, and be a good friend to others even when it's tough? Well, the answer is yes, and you'll hear some great stories to help you navigate the how from Dana. Before heading out today, be sure to go to our website, BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. And click on the resources tab. This is where you'll find our blog and at-home resources, both of which have new content you'll love for the month of January. You'll also want to check out our show notes to easily access all the goodies Dana mentions regarding True Girl. Well, it's been a hot second since I've asked you to rate and review this podcast, and I know, I know it sounds daunting, but friends, you'll be helping others find content they'll love just by rating us with one tap and writing a sentence in 60 seconds or less. Thanks in advance for helping spread the news about this podcast and the ministry of Bible to School. Are you ready to redefine friendship according to scripture? Join Corey and Dana's conversation now. Well, hi, Dana. So great to see you today. I'm so excited to talk about friendships. But first, I would love our listeners to hear a little bit about you and True Girl, your amazing ministry. We, we get to partner with you, so I'm really excited. We love your ministry. We love the work you do. You're on the front lines of a mission field that's so important. As truth is less and less welcomed in the public schools, you are this bastion of truth for those kids. So we love it. Our ministry, True Girl, really started when my daughter was nine years old. And I just saw the world's pressure for her to grow up too soon to digest topics that I didn't think were age appropriate that she was Mm. ready for. And I was like, are there any other moms out there who feel this way? And there were, there are hundreds of thousands of them. And we just kind of collect those moms and we create opportunities for mom-daughter conversations about really complicated topics like gender, boys, friendship, drama, all that stuff. And we make it easier and we make it age appropriate. Well, you you hit it and you hit it with scripture. Mm-hmm. So I got to see one of your events, several of your events. And if you haven't gone, if you're out there and you're a mom of a, of a girl, what, seven to 11 or seven to 14, is seven it? To 12, yeah. Seven, seven to, to 12. 12. You need to, to plug into True Girl because they help you have those conversations. And I imagine sometimes I have boys, so it's hard to have those conversations with boys as well. But the way you do it is so God honoring. I, I just love it and, and entertaining and fun. And that's what it should be when, when you're hanging with the girls and, and enjoying yourself. But but you've been an author and a motivational speaker besides True Girl for quite some time. I heard you on TED Talks for the first time talking about purity. You have so many books out, I could mention them all. But now on the podcast, I mean, we would just want we want to focus. I think we asked you to talk, talk about friendships. 
Yeah. Can you share about that? Well, all of our resources put moms in the driver's seat because we really believe that that is important. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6 that parents are supposed to teach their children God's truth when they sit, walk, stand, lie down. So this it's this comprehensive life learning lab that Deuteronomy 6 kind of reveals to us. And so I can't do that as an author. A Sunday school can't teacher can't do that one hour a week. A pastor can't do that in one or two hours a week. It's mom and dad. So we put mom and dad in the driver's seat. We have a couple of resources on friendship, best friends and mean girls on our mytruegirl.com website and bookstore. Because it's one of the topics that girls between the ages of eight and 12 struggle with immensely. And unfortunately, we don't always grow out of that. (laughs) Right. No. Yes. That's very, very true. (laughs) Right. Well, the other written specifically you're hitting for girls, but I do, I'm a, like I said, I'm a boy mom. And uh, so I want those boy moms and those people who, who have boys encouragement in their life to stick with us today because those boys are going to get married someday. And I I was telling you, my youngest son got married this past weekend. And so now I have, I have daughters and they are beautiful and they love Jesus, but I'm like, okay, what do I do with daughters. Okay. <laughs> so you're always want to pray with them and figure out how to mentor them and, and get them to Jesus. But girls are wired different than boys. Tell me about that physically, right? I mean, just their emotions and everything. Every way. Well, one of the interesting things I think about friendships being more difficult and emotions being more difficult for girls is that the average male brain is a little bit larger than the average female brain. If you're a guy and you hear that, don't let that go to your head because <laughs> this means you're bigger. But the part of the brain that controls emotions and relationships, the thalamus, is this walnut-sized mass in the center of the brain. And it's two to three times larger in females, even though they have smaller brains. So ah. now maybe we're just using those muscles more. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But maybe God crafted us and created us to be moderators of relationships and emotions. I think maybe it could be a little bit of both. There really is a real reason why we feel so deeply, why we have to learn to control our emotions a little bit. We have to take that task of stewardship more serious. And it's also why we have more friendship drama. Right. Well, friends are, you are who your friends are. And the stories about friends and and you had to, you were writing this book. Tell me about that. What, what led you to write about stories about friends? Well, okay. So because we get, I think one of the things we hear from moms and you are right. It's so important for us to walk with wise friends. The Bible says he who walks with a wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So mm. as a mom, whether it was my sons or my daughters, I wanted them walking with good friends who would give them wise counsel. Because who they hang around with is who they're going to become. And so many moms are like, well, my daughter, I want her to be a good influence on these kids or whatever. Well, you know, I want that too, but none of us are strong enough. If, if I'm always around needy, needy friends, I don't grow in strength. I also have right. to come up for air and be around friends who are my peers that are walking with the Lord and strong in their emotions and things like that. But we wrote about it in several of our books because we get so many letters from moms. We get letters from moms with fear to talk to their kids about sex. We get letters with fear to talk to them about gender. And we get letters with fear to talk to them about friendship because they're just afraid they're going to mess it up. And Mm -hmm. there are very few things that hurt 
a mom's heart more than when their child isn't loved and accepted by their peers. I mean, it's just deeply painful to become kind of paralyzed or comatose. So we've created resources for moms to go into the word with their daughters to handle friendship well. And in many of them, not only do we use instructive passages like from Proverbs and Psalms, but we look at the way Jesus did relationships and friendship, and we can learn so much from him about how he entered into the difficulties of friendship. What would you say, and I, I love that because it's it's so true, uh, you want your children to have good friends and it hurts when they don't, or it hurts when they're left out and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, what does it, what does it take to, to actually start a friendship? I mean, what, what is it, what would you advise people about that? Well, um, in one of my books, Lies Girls Believe in the Truth That Sets Them Free, we surveyed 1,500 girls across the country, church-going girls, tried to like figure out what are the top lies they're believing, where they need to go to God's truth. And one of them was, I don't have any friends. And if you have a daughter, you have probably heard that. I don't have any friends. (laughs) Boys say that too sometimes. Uh, Boys do say that too. (laughs) And I think that is really... The lie itself is a manifestation of just having things backwards because the truth is that God created you to be a friend to someone, not to have a friend. You're just looking, they're looking at it backwards. Proverbs 18, 24 says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, that's, it's just saying, Hey, listen, I know you feel like you don't have any friends. If you want to have friends, you got to be a friend. Right. just right there in black and white in the Bible for us to learn from. And so just encouraging your kids to look around and see the other lonely kids on the school bus or on the playground or at church or in their neighborhood and be like, Hey, you don't look like you have any to sit with. I want to sit with you. Or, Hey, you're new on the block. I'm having a party Friday night. You want to come like be a friend. And you know what, when we do that, Mm. it makes us feel like we belong. Right. It makes you feel good inside to not focus on yourself and to go help somebody else and bring them into your circle. Like you have a circle, right? You, you can, as you start being that true friend, then they have the opportunity to be a friend back. So you're giving them an opportunity. I love that. We had, I have to tell you a God story about, a, it was a little boy, but we can translate the little girls too, but we were doing a lesson on acting and obeying what the word of God says. And these little two little boys were fighting on the bus. Like they were arguing on the bus. And they, I mean, we're thinking, oh, great. They're coming to Bible to school offsite from the public yeah. school during the day doing this. They were in two different small groups. So they were in two different tables. And the one little boy who was getting picked on, he was like really sad. And then the other little boy who was the one picking on him, he was in the other table just trying to process it. So the two small group leaders tried to help them. And so the, the one little boy said, why don't, we, why don't we pray about this, that maybe this boy will say he's sorry. And the other little boy, it was in the other one saying, well, maybe I should say I'm sorry. So the little boy was praying and he, and he looked up and there's this little boy right in front of him saying, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. And isn't that true in friendships? You, yeah. your, your heart, God works on their hearts and they can connect and they can learn about life by going through stuff as friends. But you got to start by being a friend. By being a friend. Well, and that story really reminds me of Jesus, how one of the books I write about, A Girl's Guide to Best Friends and Mean Girls, I write about the fact that Jesus had friends that rejected him. I mean, Mm. you imagine 
him overhearing Peter in his hour of greatest need saying, I don't know that person. I don't know him. Mm -hmm. Aren't you, aren't you one of the ones that are friends with that guy from Nazareth? No, no, no. I don't know him. That's like a 10 year old girl walking into the bathroom and the, there's like a gir- a bunch of girls in the stalls and they're talking, not knowing somebody's come in and they're like, do you know Dana? Uh, and it's your best friend's voice or you thought it was your best friend. And she's like, no, I don't, we don't really hang out. Like it was that kind, that kind of rejection. But what does Jesus do after he raises from the dead, after the bodily resurrection of our savior? He goes after Peter. He goes yeah. out to the lake where Peter is there probably feeling, I imagine, a little embarrassed and ashamed of the decisions he's made. And he's like, Peter, do you love me? That's the question he comes with. He stays in the relationship. He changes <laughs> the relationship down. What a wonderful lesson for all of us, any age, any gender, that Jesus was faithful and stayed in the relationships that got difficult. And that story mm-hmm. of those two little boys, that kind of reminds me of that. Well, let me, let's talk about difficult relationships. I mean, kids, like you said, go through struggles. How do you know when they're going through struggles and what do you do when they're going through struggles? So you, we have listeners here that are moms, dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and they're like, what do we do with a little girl that is our, one of our little nieces that are sad that they that they're, have a trouble with their friend? I mean, Peter let Jesus down. You're right. But he was sad about it. Yeah, he was sad about it. I think one of the things that's really important for parents to know is a lot of times when our kids are having that problem, they're not telling us. Mm. They're, they're embarrassed or Satan is feeding them the lie that they're not worthy or that they're not loved. And they feel, well, unworthy and ashamed mm. of what they're experiencing in friendship. And so the research really bears out that when that's happening, they're not going to tell you. So you have to dig for it. You know, how are your friendships mm. going? Or who's your best friend? Or who did you sit with at lunch today? Or You know, those kinds of questions really give you the opportunity to take a pulse on how friendship's going. And when she does say, this is going on and I feel hurt, that's really a gift. What a gift. Mm, They're opening up. Yeah, they're trusting you enough to really open up. And then I think the best thing you do is listen and then you take them to God's word. You teach them to go to God's word for every problem. The Bible says in Psalm 119, his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What does that mean? It means that it will show you what to do. It will help you solve the problem, whatever the problem is. And the interesting thing about a light or a lamp is it doesn't light up the whole journey or the whole pathway. It just gives you enough light for the next few steps. And it keeps us tethered to God's word because when we solve this part of your friendship problem, then you're going to be like, oh, everything's great and happy, but probably next week you're going to be back with another friendship problem. So we go back to God's word because his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yeah, it would be so easy if like everybody got along all the time, but it, that's not the way life is. And so walking through these relationship bumps in the road with these with your, your girls is so helpful. It just keeps taking them back to the word of God, taking them back to the word of God. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Do I really have to pray for the kid who bullies me? That's a really good question. It's our sinful human nature that causes us to want to harm the person who is harming us. But that is not what Jesus teaches us. In Matthew 5, 43 to 45, he said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. 
That's pretty clear direction from Jesus about praying for others, including the kid who's bullying you. We can be sure that by praying, we are following Jesus's command and that God will execute justice on our behalf. Dana, have you ever experienced loneliness personally? And those moments, you know, where you said, I'm lonely and I'm having trouble in this relationship. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of my lead teachers here at True Girl is probably one of my top five best friends. And we had a really bad falling out. And the funny thing is, neither of us truly remember the details of it, but it was seemingly irreparable. Some of our other mutual friends met with us multiple times. We were in our 40s and 30s when this happened, and it just looked like it would never fix. Mm. But today, the Lord has redeemed and restored all that brokenness because we stayed patient. We kept praying for each other. We kept loving each other, even though we couldn't for a time hang out. And we were forgiving. We forgave each other. And now our relationship's more beautiful than it's ever been. That's because we stayed in the word of God. We kept our hearts humble. We were willing to admit what we did, but that was a deeply lonely time. Mm. Deeply lonely. And I think each of us feels loneliness like that. Don't you think Jesus felt loneliness in the garden of Gethsemane when he knows what's coming the next day, right? He knows what's ahead. He knows what's coming that night. And he tells his three closest friends out of the 12, he picks the three closest. And he says, come with me to this really quiet place. And he's so terrified. He's sweating blood. That's like a physical. Mm. Like science tells us that absolutely happened. People who have been facing death or execution, it takes extreme stress, extreme stress to sweat. But the Bible tells us Jesus did that. And Jesus says, hey, can you stay awake and pray with me? Because he's so afraid. Yeah, he wants them near him. And what do they do? They desert him. They take him fall asleep. Yeah, fall asleep on him. We're tired for you. So do you think he felt lonely that night? I think he did. I think he felt terrible loneliness. Absolutely. And I think as a parent, I have to catch myself, Dana, because I want to jump in and fix it. I want to just go in, well, I'm going to go talk to that mom or, or whatever, you know, do that mama bear thing. But we can't really fix it. I mean, we can't. You talk about um, being careful that we don't give our kids an artificial fix to loneliness. Like, what, what, what were you getting out there? Well, a lot of times, instead of letting them feel the pain of loneliness, instead of letting them say, oh, yeah, I am really sad because this friendship isn't working. We try to soothe it by, look, look at these friendships over there. Let's go hang out with this person. Or, you know, we bu- let's go on a shopping spree. Let's medicate it, right? Oh, I like, I like shopping therapy. Yes, shopping <laughs> therapy is awesome. After you've solved the problem. Right, right. <laughs> we all turn to medication. And what we do when we teach our daughters, instead of feeling the pain, or our sons, instead of feeling the pain of friendship loss, we teach them a lifelong bad habit of turning to something other than Jesus to heal what's broken. And so it's really good to sit in the sadness with them. You know, yesterday, my granddaughters, they're only four, but they graduated from preschool. And one of them, when they got their certificates, you know, they would march up to the teacher and get their little piece of paper and sit down. And when Zoe's best friend marched forward, Zoe had this sad look on her face. And when she marched back past Zoe, she said, are you going to miss me? And I thought, oh, that sweet girl. She feeling the sadness of that. And what we tend to do is be like, but you're going to see her next year and it's okay. You know, her mom said, oh, that's really sad. 
It is sad. I could hear that you were sad. Do you want to talk about how sad it feels that you're not going to see her for a while? And I thought, what great parenting, like that she just said, let's feel the sadness. It's okay to do that when your child is bullied. It's okay to do that when your child is facing summer break and they're missing their friends. In fact, it's good. Yeah, because you're acknowledging that it's okay to feel that way, that everybody feels that way, that they're they're not doing something that nobody's doing, that we we all we all are human and feel that way when things don't go with the way we want them to. We're gonna miss our friends or or whatever it is. Yeah. But you you have something called, you can tell me about this hockey stick growth of loneliness. What is that? Well, this is really scary, but Teenagers and tweens today are lonelier than they've ever been. And I think all of us remember, whether the, we're grandparents or parents, being in middle school or high school and feeling lonely, that's nothing compared to what today's kids are feeling. And the sad thing is that, you know, the U.S. Surgeon General just came out with a report recently on how smartphones and social media is impacting our kids. And it's a really worthy read for every parent. And it doesn't like, it's not just fearful, but it does say, this is hurting our kids. And if they're not old enough, it's going to really hurt them even worse because we can trace what's called hockey stick growth. When you see a trend change where it looks like the shape of a hockey stick, either up or down, that's not normal. Trends change gradually. Trends shift in a gentle slope, unless there's a catalyst that causes it to be very significant. And we can trace this hockey stick growth back to the advent of this first smartphone and social media back in like 2007, 2008. And of course, every year that's gotten more and more prevalent, more and more accessible for kids that they're having access to social media at a younger and younger. You know, it's not even legal for kids to be on social media until they're 13. And you're not allowed to collect email or any data from someone under the age of 12 online. And so... What that means is that people who evaluated it have determined it's not safe for a child. They don't know what they should or shouldn't say to someone under the age of 13. And I would suggest that some of them aren't ready at that age either. I agree. So it's really important to evaluate. Uh, I think a lot of times parents cave because they want them to be connected to their friends. But it's is it a true connection though, Dana? Exactly. It's not a, it's an artificial connection. And if you look at high school kids like gathered They all have their heads down with their faces and their screens sitting at the same table. There are real live flesh and blood people with eye contact and laughter right right next to you. And you are not enjoying what God created you to enjoy because you're being medicated by that screen in front of you. So it's really wise for parents to be very careful about that because it really can increase the risk of loneliness and depression. Yeah. And friendships are something that pulls you out of loneliness and oppression because they're you're doing life with people. We're we're wire, hardwired to connect. I had to, to laugh. My my sons. I've dealt with it on the other side. I know you have girls, but one time they were they had a girlfriend and it wasn't working out. And they said, "Well, I want, I want to break up with my girlfriend and I, I need to text her." And I'm like, <laughs> "No, no, 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 no. That's not <laughs> Good mom coaching. Good mom coaching. Yeah, yeah. But you know, even something like that, that of course the relationship wasn't going well. That particular type of friendship, even ending it well, you got to teach your kids how to do that." You know, yeah. because they don't have that because they're in their faces are in their phones. One of the things I've told my kids, and they're in their young adult years now. Well, they're not even young adults anymore. My two babies are going to be 30 this year. Is if it's neutral or good, you can send a text. 
<laughs> but if it's negative, it's a phone call or a face-to-face conversation. That's good. Very and good. I think that helps us do it better. We ha- handle hearts better. We can figure out, is this person hearing me accurately or am I hurting them unnecessarily? All that kind of stuff. You can't figure that out on a text. It's too easy to read into it. All the paranoid thoughts and emotions we bring to something when it's negative. So just don't do it. Absolutely. And we we talked earlier a little bit about us sweeping in as parents and, and giving, you know, we've given good advice. But when we're sweeping in, like, talk to me about helicopter parents that might want to just take away this pain. How do, how do we surrender this? How do we surrender our relationships, our kids, their relationships to God? Yeah. You know what? We have to trust God with our kids. Now that doesn't mean we throw out discernment. That doesn't mean we throw out caution, but Boy, I was watching a really interesting report on the news on on TV, good old fashioned headline news or something about a sociologist who did some studies on seventh graders. And these seventh graders had been considerably hampered developmentally by helicopter parenting. They were experiencing fear and anxiety about things that developmentally they were ready to do. For example, one was afraid to walk the dog because that's not something they felt like they were old enough to do alone. Another was afraid to use knives in the kitchen to create, to make sandwiches and to make lunch because they're afraid they might cut themselves. And it went on and on like mm, this. Wow. And when she did the research, it went, it went down to just literally helicopter parenting, creating a sense of fear that they couldn't do this or couldn't do that without help or without advice. I have a friend, girlfriend just the other day, one of our lead teachers at True Girl say, I, I went to my daughter's first job interview. She's 15 years old, just got a job at Dairy Queen. Just so right. loving it. <laughs> and she said, I sat back and watched and I took some notes because there were some things I wanted to help her do the next time she does an interview, wanted her to do them better. Some questions I prepared her to ask, like, can I use my phone or can I have my phone when I'm at work? And, you know, I asked her ahead of time. And when she left, the interviewer, the manager of the store pulled her aside and said, you know, most of the time parents come in here and I think that I was interviewing them. <laughs> you jump they in the conversation and they don't let their child learn and make mistakes. And we really are living in a time when fear has created that. I'm, and again, I'm not saying you throw caution out of, out the window. I'm just saying Our kids need to learn to do things with a sense of trusting God. They can walk the dog around the block and trust the Lord that they'll safely return. Maybe not in every single neighborhood, but in most of our neighborhoods. Right, right. They can use a knife when they're in seventh grade. (laughs) Right, yeah. We have to build that confidence and that trust in God, but we won't build that confidence in God if we don't have it. That's true. We have to have it ourselves and... Like we said, walk in this subject of friendship and what to do with you know, when they're if they're lonely or if they're struggling with friends or or those kind of things. I mean, we have to trust ourselves and our children with God. But I mean, what other pointers do you have about being a good friend, Dana? Well, one of the things I think is frenemies is such it's a new word, new term in the last decade or so, but it's a really real thing. And I think we are prone to be frenemies and we all have had frenemies. So So describe frenemies for us. Well, there's some factors. I I would say a frenemy is someone who's not a dependable, faithful friend. They're a fair weather friend. I actually have a list for true girls that compares 
frenemies to true friendship. For example, I'm a frenemy loves when it's convenient, but Proverbs 17, 7 says a friend loves when? At all times. That's right. So the good, the bad. A frenemy hangs around when it's good for them, when their you know, life is going the way they want. But Proverbs 26 says that friends are loyal and faithful. We only have to be loyal and faithful when it's not fun. Well, it's not easy. Can I share a quick, a quick yeah. thing in that I had my my youngest son who just got married. He has a best friend. He was in his wedding, and when they were young, they were trying out. And boys, it's all sports. They they were trying out for a sport, and I think it was soccer. And the my son made it, and he, and he did not. And it was oh. so hard, and they were devastated for each other. But didn't that boy call him later to congratulate him? for That's getting awesome. on the team. It was very, I was, I was so impressed with that. And that was like in fifth grade, but yes, a friend is loyal and loves at all times. But I, I interrupted you go ahead more of your, of your list well, of frenemies. Yeah, some other things, a frenemy leads others to make decisions that could cause harm. They're careless with their leadership, but Proverbs thirteen twenty tells us that a friend makes you wiser. They help you make good choices. They're discerning. A frenemy wants to be served. John 15, 13 says a friend serves others. And we could mm-hmm. go on like this, but helping your friend, uh, you know, it even, the Bible even says that wounds from a friend can be trusted. That doesn't, that means that we're not always saying what we want our friend, we think our friend wants to hear. Sometimes we're saying things that are hard to hear. Yes. You're mad at your mom. Oh, well, were you obedient to your mom today? Did right. you listen to your mom today? Like that's a conversation I can imagine a a wise seventh grade girl having when her friend is dumping on her about her mom. You know, we have to redefine what friendship means according to the scriptures because the world has so distorted all of our definitions and friendship is one of them. Absolutely. And and I like, I was telling my kids and other people that I, I mentor is that you want to have truth tellers around you. You don't want people like, you know, the the emperor's new clothes when he walks out naked and everybody's like, oh, you have a great outfit on. And, and he doesn't. He's he's naked. Yeah. So so uh, you do want truth tellers around you and truth and love and friends do that. And that that is so awesome that you have all these resources, Dana, for in True Girls and in your book. Our listeners I, I got a lot of, of good knowledge today, good wisdom today from you. Is there Anything else you'd like to share with us about friendship, about walking kids through mean relationships? Just that they're watching us. So we have to make sure that we're doing friendship well. I think about Sarah and Hagar. And Sarah was not the kind of woman I want to be when I am interacting with people. She wasn't kind to Hagar. And just a reminder, because she was old, that we don't always outgrow being frenemies. And take inventory of your own heart and life. When I was going that hard, through that hard time with my friend Janet, my daughters knew and I told them, yes, I'm going through some hard things, but Janet loves Jesus and I love Jesus and Janet's done some things wrong and I've done some things wrong. And I believe that God's going to have the final word in this friendship. Fast forward and they have seen that to be true. They have watched that friendship restored. And I believe that that is probably a better teacher for them than any words I've ever spoken. Oh, that's powerful. It really is walking that, watching that before their eyes. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Dana, thank you for for being with us today. Time is up, but we want people to know about True Girls and to go to your website. What is your website again? 
mytruegirl.com or danagresh.com too. There's different resources available at both of those. At mytruegirl.com, you're going to find stuff for your daughter. At danagresh.com, you're going to find stuff for you. So um, visit either of those. And of course, we'd love you to listen to the True Girl Mom Cast. We call it a mom cast instead of a podcast. Bible to School has been one of our spon- our first sponsor Ooh. of that podcast. And we love, love talking about you on each episode and just encouraging people that, hey, even though your child is in a public school, doesn't mean that they can't be in the word of God. It is legal and fair, and there is a means for it to happen. Find out if you have a Bible school program in your area. And if you don't, maybe God is calling you to help make it happen. And this is why you're my friend, Dana. You're my <laughs> new friend, because we are on the same page. Yes. We want Jesus to get to everyone. So thank you. Would you mind ending us in prayer? I'd love to. Thank you. Father God, thank you for this friendship right here. Good to have a conversation that centers around you. I pray for the mom right now who's hurting, either because she's like, I'm I'm not doing friendship well. May she know that there's a reset button that you readily give us. It's called asking for forgiveness. And Lord, um, maybe there's a mom who's listening whose heart is just heartsick over her child being bullied or not having friends. I pray that today she would know that you cry with her over that child and that you love that child more than she does and you have a good plan. And somehow this is part of it. Help her to trust you in that, Lord, and to turn that child to the word to know how to respond to the circumstances of their life. Thank you, Jesus, for your word and that it does light the pathway for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love how Dana reminds us to go into the Word to help kids handle friendships well, just like Jesus did. Dana's comparison of frenemies and true friends was so helpful. What was your takeaway from this conversation? We would love to hear your feedback. This podcast is an extension of Bible to School, a public school ministry. So you can like and follow Bible to School on your Instagram and Facebook pages, and then comment on the post for this podcast episode, number 124, How to Handle Frenemies with Dana Gresh. You'll also want to be sure you grab the show notes from today because all the scriptures and resources mentioned will be available for you there. Thank you so much for joining us today. And don't forget to tune in next week to be encouraged by another member highlight. And remember, you can tell the kids in your life how to imitate Jesus, even in their friendships.